do you just spend all day thinking like when we start recording the podcast i'm gonna come up with the biggest dumbest hipster game no not really i just try to find a a a decent one that 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 i think maybe you wouldn't that you wouldn't find or something like you know i don't want to like i try to find something a little off the radar if i can so and i think I, i think i did good this week but when you find a game that's like really hipstery, that's like a deep, satisfying feeling, right? It is. It is. I'm like, oh, that's really good. This is really good. Tepper's going to be like, oh, yeah, that is really hipster. Tep and Step. Your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. And I'm wondering, uh, where was the intro this week, Tepper? Are we, are you, oh, you, don't you, worry. You... I, was, I, was, I was secretly recording for about a minute and a half before that. Oh, okay. I'm like, oh, you, oh, so now we're, you're, you're, you're sneaking it in on me. Okay. Oh, All right. Yeah. That's 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 this is now just going to be about trying to catch you on a hot mic. That's all it's going to be of oh him boy. secretly of him secretly admitting which teams he doesn't like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to go all Tom Brenneman on on us or anything. That was um, this is that your... was the worst hot mic thing ever. Oh, dude. Oh man. I mean, look, and that's that's one of the things I kind of joke about it about how like at Fox Sports Southwest, my only goal is to not swear on the air. But like literally, there is a thing in in my. Are you like pouring Skittles into like a bowl or something? No, no, I was I was my phone had thought fallen and I was moving my vitamins, so because it knocked it out, it knocked it over. <laughs> uh, Sorry, but anyway, literally, whenever I walk into the building there at Fox, I just think to myself, "All right, you've got to flip it off. Like, don't like." At that point, there are microphones around. Like, don't mm-hmm. even think about like cursing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that, of course, the, the the way to not say vile things on the air is to you know not say not vile, say vile things. things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we all things. curse. But, but but cursing. I mean, not all of us, but the, the vast majority of us uh, imperfect humans do uh, utter uh, curse words from time to time, and so that's a that's a big fear. It's just, yeah, I just don't want that to happen. But in any case, this is your profanity-free, at least for now, week Family-friendly podcast. Week three preview edition of Tep and Step, your premium high school football podcast. Thanks for being Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. Please tell your friends about this podcast and tell them to subscribe and get this nonsense in their feed as well. They can be part of the Tep and Step family. Uh, oh, it's an odd visual, but yeah, I'll go with it. Something, something that that you can absolutely aspire to be. Uh, a lot to get to. We're going to get to some week two um, uh, a recap. We're going to talk about very briefly. Going to touch on um, there may be a, a pretty major decision coming down from the UIL as far as some eligibility concerns are are. are uh, concerned, I suppose, but uh, but we will start, and then we'll get onto our week three draft. But Matthew, we will start as we always do with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. All right, all right. So I had uh, an assistant coach get into my DMs, and I think he got into your DMs too. He did. He did. Um, and he asked me, "Hey, how many coaches have ever gone?" 0 and 10 and also 16 and 0 because I have. He is a, an assistant coach on a reigning state champion. 
Um, and I was like, boy, that's a really good question. So I did some homework. Now, obviously, from an assistant's perspective, that's really hard because those guys – Those guys no, bounce around a little bit, yeah. There's no tracking for that. There's no historical record of, like, who's on what staffs at what time. There's no good source for that. But we do have head coaching stuff. And so, Matt Stepp, who are the two UIL 11-man coaches who, in their career – have coached an 0-10 team and a 16-0 and team. There's only two. I thought that was amazing. There are only two. So, so for the record, I asked this coach to tell me the answers uh, because I figured you told him, um, and he's he's an honest man. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give it up. So oh, shout out, thanks, Coach. coach. Um, I'm pretty sure I know one. In fact, I'm, I'm positive I know one because okay. in that 16-0 and season, they beat Everman. Uh-huh. Um, and one state, and that's Brian Brazel at Hebron. Correct. Brian Brazel went 0-10. Oh, by the way, I should say, uh, I'm sorry, I, I phrase this incorrect. Brian Brazel went 0-10 at Hebron in 2000, and he went 16-0 in Hebron at 2005. When I say 0-10 yeah, and 16-0 and at the same school, right? At the same school, yes. There are three other coaches we'll get to in a moment who did go 0-10 and 16-0, and but they did them at different, at different schools. So that is the question. 0-10 and 16-0 at the same school. So the other one's tougher because you have to think about somebody who's won a state title and was at that school for a really long time, probably more than likely just from a numbers standpoint because of the – typically teams don't go from 0-10 to 16-0 in like two years. I mean it's mm-hmm. typically a six, seven, eight-year build. Um, so I was trying to think, and I, and I couldn't I couldn't come up with the other one, but I, but I, I imagine – I knew Brazel just because they beat Everman, and I remember that stat being thrown around after they had beaten Everman in routes to the state title, which that was a bitter loss for uh, Everman Bulldog fan because we lost to Hebron by three that year. So um, I think Hebron kind of blew everybody else away, um, but that's another story. Um, so I, I, it's got to be someone who's got who's probably the, the other guy was probably at that school for quite a long time, but I, I just can't, I can't think of it now. Okay. You are right in, 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 in all of those things. I will give you a small hint. A small okay. hint that is probably not helpful, but I'll give you because I'll, I'll give you one last chance. He has a stadium named after him. Okay. Uh, is this recent? Uh, they won a title in the last ten years. Okay, okay. Um in fact, is it Willie Williams title. at La Vega? Is it Willie it Williams is, at La Vega? It is Willie Williams at La Vega. La okay. Vega went 0 and 10 in 2004 under Coach Williams, and then they went wow. 16 and 0 with Coach Williams at La, at La Vega in 2015. Now, here's another thing, because this coach uh, said, "Well, one of them's got to be Ed Pajowski at Cy Fair," and that would be right. If they didn't go 15 and 0 when they won their title. They had a game canceled because of hurricane or something, didn't they? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Their opener was canceled because of Hurricane Harvey, and as a result they only went 15 and 0 in route to that state championship. So yes, Brian Brazel and William Williams, the only two coaches in UIL Texas High School football 11-man history to go, and I guess I can say UIL history because six-man teams don't play 16 games. 
Yeah. Um, to go zero and ten and sixteen at the other schools, the, uh, the uh, at the same school, there are three other guys who did the feat in their history. Uh, Jack Norrell went, um, or Jack Narrell rather, went sixteen and zero at Medina Valley in nineteen eighty four, and then went zero and ten at early in nineteen ninety. Uh, the great Marty Criswell went sixteen and zero in Denison in nineteen eighty four, and then zero and ten at Bryan in two thousand and two. Uh, and then another great coach, the uh, Alan Waddell, uh, went 0-10 at Victoria in 1984, but then went 16-0 and at Lamarck in 1995. So I'm really amazed that, that – see, I thought La Vega may have gone 0-10 like in the 90s or something. I'm surprised they went 0-10 in 2004 because not long after that, they played for a state title. They lost to Prosper. Yep. In, this, in a state title game when Prosper had Mario Williams as a freshman. And it wasn't that much longer after they went 0-10, maybe three, four years? Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he that, that was a wild swing there uh, for uh, for La Vega. But but there you have it. There's your there's your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Brian Brazel and William Williams, the only two UIL head coaches to go 0-10 and 16-0 at the same school. Uh, so I will not come up with a better um, a better fun fact than that. So quit asking. I did good. I got one of them right without a hint. You got one of them too. That's that's great. Now I now it is worth mentioning that that's because uh, you had a very personal tie to it. But uh, yeah, hey, that's nice. hey, we'll take the wins anyway we can get them. <laughs> Whatever. The, the, just point it at the scoreboard. Just point it at the right. scoreboard. Just hang the banner. No one will ask questions later. <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about week two. Week two is behind us. Um, first and foremost, let's do a very quick, and no, nobody wants to dwell on this, but let's do a quick COVID check. Because I just I, I want, just for a moment, I'm not laughing about coronavirus. I want to be very clear. But Brownsboro just cannot buy a break, man. No, it <laughs> was just a... one of the worst, most frustrating weeks we've ever seen. So, for those of you, so Brownsboro was originally scheduled to play Fairfield, and on Wednesday night, um, Fairfield called Brownsboro, let them know they were not going to be playing on Friday. They were canceling the game due to a presumed uh, COVID case. So Brownsboro is looking for a game. And it just happened to be Sweetwater, who had their game against Ballinger, canceled because – not Ballinger, Jim Ned. Sweetwater was playing Jim Ned. Um, Jim Ned had to cancel due to um, a couple of COVID cases. So call Sweetwater, call Brownsboro. We get the game, I get the game set up to play in Alito Friday night. Uh, I call the Fort Worth officials, get, a, get an officiating crew there. I mean, I set the game up. You know, we basically had the game set up. Brownsboro, Sweetwater, Friday night in Alito. Um and then Friday morning, get the call from Coach McGee that they were not going to be able to play. Um, and it was basically due to COVID. Coach McGee didn't tell me it was COVID, but, you know, reading between the lines, knew what happened. You don't cancel that that quick without something like that happening. So, um, so Brownsboro had two games canceled in a week. The irony, the, 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 the sweet – not sweet, but most sour piece of irony here is that it turns out that Fairfield didn't really need to cancel the game. That the that the the, the, the basically the, the what they thought was a positive case was not a was not a instance of COVID. It was an exposure. Uh, a student had been exposed to a parent who he thought had COVID, but 
was turned out to be negative. So in reality, Fairfield canceled and didn't really need to. So it's a pretty it's rough week for Brownsboro there. It's a rough week for, for Brownsboro. We feel for them. Uh, the, the thing is, though, like it's, it's just worth mentioning, like I just – this is me. I think this is just going to be maybe not to that extreme. That seems like an extreme case of what we're going to see. But yeah. like this is this is gonna keep happening, guys. Like this is like there's gonna be a handful of these every single week of, of teams that are scrambling, teams that are looking for teams. Now, hopefully, they're able to get a game together and actually play the game and not have the other team uh, have to bail out at the last moment. But uh, it's 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 just it's just it's just, gonna, it's, it's it's just so 2020. It's just yeah. 2020, you know. And <laughs> and man, I, I've got to like I keep like a word document up now because of games that are canceled and rescheduled because we have to go in and update the schedule tracker and on TexasFootball.com. It's just a, it's every week. It's just going to be like this. So it's just and then you throw in there's still effects from Hurricane Laura down in South. I think I think West Orange Stark is finally going to get to start practicing again on Wednesday this week. Um, and hopefully, I think they'll get to play next week against Newton. So just you throw in all that. In, in addition, it's it's just it's just been pretty crazy. So speaking of pretty crazy on the field, um, let's talk a little bit. And the rankings are out now, so I guess we can talk a little bit about uh, how what we did with them. Um, and that is um, the 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 rankings are out in three A Division two. Just like somebody detonated it. Somebody just absolutely just just, yeah. just I mean it just it went so so to put to put a fine point on it. Uh, number one last week was Gunner. Gunner lost to Pottsboro. Number two was Canadian. Canadian lost to Iowa Park. Uh, number three was Dangerfield. Dangerfield lost to Atlanta. Tatum. 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 Lost to Tatum. Uh, number four was oh I don't even have it in front of me. It's uh, Newton. Is it Newton? And they didn't play. Yeah, Newton, who didn't play. Uh, number five was Paul Pewitt, who won. And and I thought they were I, – I, I was under the impression they weren't going to be able to play for a couple of weeks, but apparently they got things cleared up. Um, yes. Yeah, they had uh, – they thought they had three COVID positive cases, and turns out it was only one, and they uh, – two of them were false positives, and they basically – what they did is, from what I understand, they – they reviewed um, their practice film and found out all the close contacts for the player that was um, positive and isolated all those and then tested everyone that, that that was isolated. And once they got two negative tests, they were good to play. So, so. they so they go and, 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 yeah. and they end up winning. Uh, they played. They beat Atlanta. Good win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then number. Uh, let's see. After that, number six was East Bernard. They beat Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was seventh? Um, I don't. God, George West. George West Lost got, to got, got 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 bodied. Beat, got beat pretty bad by Refurio. Yeah, they did. Um, you know, at home, obviously too. Uh, number eight was Lexington. They won, but they beat they beat Thrall. This team they should beat. They should. Uh, and then, and then uh, Franklin, number nine was uh, Idol was Franklin, and then number ten was yes. Abernathy. Yeah, Franklin was COVIDed too. Franklin yeah. canceled the COVID. Yeah, and then and then Abernathy was number ten, and they kind of squeaked by Slayton. Um, in a lot the of carnage. End, a lot of carnage. Three division two was just you're right. A lot of carnage. We ended up uh, and and we ended up bumping Canadian to the number one spot, even despite the loss. I think that that's that's an instance where you start looking at like. What are the quality of losses? And for me, Canadian going on the road, long road, every road trip's long for them, but a long road trip 
to a 4A team and a pretty good one in yeah, Iowa Park. A team that's a regional contender in 4A D2. You know, and, and those well, the thing about the 3A D2 rankings that, that I noticed was that all the three all the teams we had ranked lost to lost to schools larger than them. You know, in either 3A D1 or 4A D2. Exactly. So, you know. Or I guess – not George Weston. George West lost to Refurio, but again, Refurio is not an average 2A Division One team either. Um, and then – so uh, Thursday, Thursday night you went out to Wichita Falls. You saw Hershey uh, mm-hmm. and I watched a little bit of that game. Um, you're, you're just, you're Hershey's super I talented, but, but they're young and they're inexperienced and they do – they do dumb things, which young teams tend to do. They'll clean that up as they as they mature a little bit, but from a physical standpoint, they're really, really talented. Chris Murray's a star, though. Um, and then and then Friday night, you were in you were Midlothian. Yes, top ten matchup, Division One, four eighty one, really good game between Midlothian Heritage and Lindale. Um, I think we all had a few. I, th- I think we all kind of had a pretty good handle on Midlothian Heritage and the. The type of team they are, but I think we had a lot of questions about Lindale. This is their first big game as a 4A school against a team in, in Midlothian Heritage, who's a top 10 team. And I thought Lindale uh, acquitted themselves quite well and probably feel they feel like they should have won the game. So I, I think, you know, I, I thought Lindale was a preseason contender in Region 3. I, I know I know you were a little more skeptical, just you, want, you wanted to see it first. And I think that performance on the road, uh, losing by seven to Midlothian Heritage, I think shows that Lindale is going to be a force not only in their district, but I think in Region Three as well. I think you're right, and I, I, I'm I'm sold on them now. I, I I'm impressed. I think um, I actually came away like we knew Jordan Jenkins was a star. Uh, watching kind of the highlights of that game and stuff, I I came away pretty impressed by that defense too. That's a that's a that's a kind of sneaky. Um, heritage team that like they can beat you in a variety of different ways and i thought lindale did a good job more or less of, of kind of uh kind of bottling them up a little bit i was i was impressed by lindale and, all and, and really impressed considering lindale's they're, they're they lost their best defensive lineman uh in the uh kaufman game the week before he tore his acl mm-hmm. um their defense one of their defensive tackles who coach cochran said is kind of the anchor of their defense he's out for the year the torn acl and for them to still put that performance together i think says a lot about the resiliency of lindale and, and the coaching staff and, and the scheme they came up with against like you said a very good Midlothian heritage offensive attack yeah, very impressive, very impressive. And then Friday and then Saturday, you went to Overton and Burkeville. <laughs> well, I saw Crawford and Bruceville Eddie first. Oh, Crawford, Crawford, yeah, you saw Crawford. Yeah. Uh, Bruceville Eddie really played well. You know, Bruceville Eddie, I, I thought was was a you know they uh, they they were a big underdog in the game and, and they performed pretty admirably against a, a heavy favorite in Crawford. Crawford kind of overwhelmed them in the second half, but I thought there were a lot of positive things from Bruce Letty. And then uh, Saturday night saw Overton break their 12-game losing streak against Burkeville. I mean, poor Burkeville. They, they really should be playing six-man football. They've only, they only suited out 14 players. They have two coaches total. One on, The head coach is on the field. They have one coach in the booth. They only had 14 kids. And, and I think if they played six-man, I think they'd be pretty good because they've got some good athletes. I think once they figured a six-man game out, I think Burkeville would have a chance to be a pretty competitive uh, a team in the six-man ranks. So, um, I you know, I, it's just 14 kids in 11-man football is, is – is, it's impossible to play. Um, I, I think Burkeville probably really needs to strongly consider playing six-man football because their poor kids are fighting their hearts out, but they were just worn out by the by third quarter. Yeah, the, uh, the only thing I will say about them 
is uh, so what's their enrollment? They're in the eighties. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you in just a second as I as you listen to live coverage of me looking up Burtville's enrollment. They are seventy five. Yeah. Okay, seventy five. So right now that would make them. Um, there would be a one A Division one team. The only the only problem with that is you know for for those. For those who don't know, Burkeville is just it's basically just south of Kilgore, more or less. Yeah. Um, and, and there's there's just not anyone. That's the problem, know. man. I, I, mean, I, you, I think the best district for them would probably be District 10 1A. So they'd be, even then, I mean, I mean, you know, Gilmer Union Hill and, and Leverett's Chapel. Uh, Leverett's Chapel is probably the two closest. So, so they could what they'd be in there with Leverett's Chapel, with Union Hill, with like maybe Fruitvale. They'd probably make them go as far west as like Savoy. Yeah, maybe that, Campbell. That's those are five hour trips. I mean. To get to Union Hill and Leverage Chapel is probably about three hours one way, yeah. but you start getting even even Fruitvale, you're you're pushing four just going to Fruitvale. So they really, if they were Division Two, I think they'd be a little bit better off because you've got you know um, some school, you know Chester and Calvert and Oakwood uh, and a- Apple Springs are a little bit. Those are yeah. More there's like, like there's kind of a south there's a southeast ish Texas. Um, um, District out there, you're right with Chester, Apple Springs, Oakwood, Calvert. Um, yeah, because Apple Springs is near Nacogdoches. Chester is kind of between uh, Woodville and Court and Camden. Oakwood's near Palestine, so there's kind of a district that would be a little less true, but they're not small enough to be D two. Yes, they're they're really in a rough spot when it comes to football. Yeah, but I'm I'm glad you were able to go out. I, I, you like their stadium, right? Yeah, Overton had a really neat little stadium, a really old school, uh, but that was still they really maintained it well. It's an old building, a really cool old building. And stadium just kind of tucked in under on the hill below the below the school. There, really, really a neat little stadium. They have, they have nice athletic facilities for a, a school that size. Their baseball and softball fields are very nice as well. So, um, shout out Overton. So, uh, I do want to ask you um, a little bit to get, because you you brought this up before we went um, came on the air. But there is, um, there is potentially, and we're kind of connect. I want to be clear that we're kind of connecting dots here. Uh, but there is a UIL executive um, committee, uh, uh, state executive committee meeting coming up here this week, and one of the things on the docket is to rule on some uh, the eligibility of players at Converse Judson. That is what all we know is that there that is on the docket. Two uh, we, two two separate hearings for Judson players. Correct. We do not know who those players are, to be clear. That said, I think you and I can do some relatively easy line dot connecting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. say that it's probably Jordan Battles and um, LJ Butler, right? Yeah, I think it's pretty safe to assume it's those two, considering their uh, DEC ruling was the same day and the appeals would be heard at the same time frame. There's two Judson appeals going on. I'm pretty sure. I mean, re, you know, connecting the dots without confirming it, it seems like it's Battles and Butler. Um, the hearing is Tuesday morning. Um, the first one's at 9.30. The second one's at 10.15. Um, I imagine around lunchtime. I think there's one for Burnett also, uh, a player that moved into Burnett. I um, don't know what school or what players involved, but that, that's at 11. So I would think by, the, you know, around lunchtime, noon, 12.30, we'd hear – 
something from the UIL regarding um, the eligibility of those two players. Obviously, with, with Battles and Butler, it's a uh, those are high-profile players in the San Antonio area. Battles at Brandeis, Butler was at Wagner, um, and would you know their their eligibility and status is really going to impact um, what Judson does as far as uh, you know on the regional stage in Region Four. Because I think if Judson adds those two pieces, I think you 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 slot Judson in as probably the number two team in, in Region 4 behind uh, Austin-Westlake in Division 2. Um, without Battles and Butler, I, I think Judson kind of falls uh, further back in the pack a little bit. So this, this has got implications on the statewide level for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's, the type of players these two kids are. Exactly right. Let's be clear. I think that if Judson is able to add LJ Butler and Jordan Battles to their team, they are a – like at least a region four contender and maybe even, I mean, especially cause they're going to be division two now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're talking like a state title contender, bona fide state title. Contender. I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it, but without them, I have a hard time seeing that. Yeah. I, I think without those two, they're probably, they're still a good team. They're Judson, but I don't think they're on the level of Westlake. Um, or maybe even Vandergrift in Region Two. So, but you add those two pieces, all of a sudden Judson is right there with Westlake as the you know one B probably. Well, and and else I'm I'm certainly not going to um, you know I I can't predict anything or how this thing is going to go, but I will say that both of those DEC um, rulings for Battles and um, Butler, if it is in fact them, uh, those were unanimous. Um, and generally speaking, it takes some sort of new evidence coming to light for the for the the, the state to overturn a unanimous district uh, commit a, a decision. We yeah, saw this- either new evidence or the state feels that the district executive committee was negligent in their ruling. It's one of those two things. It's got to be, or the D, or they felt like the DEC had an axe to grind. Um, yeah, and exactly. Just over- overlook the facts to rule the kids ineligible. So it's going to be, that's really the only way one of those two things would happen because if the evidence is the same in the UIL feels the DEC did their due diligence, generally the UIL is going to say, well, this was unanimous ruling. We're not going to go against this. Um, So. Well, and we saw this last year with Demond Demas um, where, and, and we kind of, we kind of flagged people and said, look, if you're, if you're hoping for the state executive committee to come in and save them, uh, and say he's he's eligible. You've got to remember that they just generally are not in the business of overturning unanimous decisions. If it's like a if it's a, a five three decision, I'm making up numbers. If it's a close decision, they'll look at it really tight and they'll make their own decision. But they're, they're with something like that, they would basically be going to six or seven member schools and saying you are wrong, uh, and we are going to tell you how wrong you are. And that's just not how the UIL tends to roll. Yeah, people forget the Demas thing. You know, new evidence. The, the new evidence came to light against Demas in that case because it, it found out he was living with his grandfather, who was not his legal guardian. His his mother had not signed over those uh, parental rights in the hearing, and so you know, if you're not living with your legal guardian, then you're definitely not going to be eligible. So that was that. I don't think that's either the case in this in this situation. The, the Demas thing, it was pretty clear cut. Okay, enough of that. Uh, let's move on. Let's get on to week three, because that's what people are here for. They're here for the week three preview. This is your week three Texas high school football preview. Once again, we are still a couple of weeks away from 6A and 5A joining the party. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. We are getting closer. Uh, 6A and 5A started practices today. Yeah. Uh, we do have, so it'll be 4A and below still, 
uh, talking about games. We're going to do our drafts. This is your first episode of Tough and Stuff. We have our game draft where we go back and forth selecting games across state that we are most interested in. We go five rounds. Once it is picked, it is off the board. We did the coin flip before the podcast. Step won the coin flip. And so he gets the number one overall pick in the week three draft of of a good slate. I would say maybe not as top heavy as the slate last week. But I still think really deep, like a nice deep, like, you know, if you're looking for the Argyle, Pleasant Groves and like seven of those, you're not going to find them. But if you're just looking for like quality depth of games, like a bunch of really solid games, I think this is a really nice week. Yes, I agree. I'm going to go a little off the, not off the board, because this is a game I I highlighted in my preview, but a game that you probably wouldn't think at at first when you look at the slate of games as as my first pick, but I really like this game, Um, and it's because I was down that way a couple weeks ago. Uh, Give me Rockdale at Lexington to open up. These are two teams that we have ranked in our – I believe Rockdale's ranked in the 3AD1 rankings. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, they're 2-0. and Lexington's 2-0, and uh, a ranked team in Division Two, and they moved up, I believe, uh, this week in the 3A Division Two ranks. They're um, both number – they're number six Rockdale, number seven Lexington. There you go. So top ten matchup. Uh, these two towns are about 15 miles apart on Highway 77 um, because I drove through there when I went to Lexington uh, le- uh, in week one for Lexington West. Uh, I've seen Lexington play i know they're a very good team um so this is going to be a, a raucous atmosphere even with the uil uh, attendance guidelines uh, i guarantee you every ticket that is available for this game will be snatched up um these two towns everyone in these two towns knows each other rockdale is a little bit bigger of a town but lexington everyone knows everyone um this is a good good old-fashioned rivalry game and um you know rockdale last week you know that they, they were a little down because their quarterback um in week one broke his leg and is out for the year but um i thought uh, quarterback kobe mitchell in his first varsity start you know acquitted himself quite well last week in their win over taylor uh throws for 295 yards and five touchdowns and i understand that it's against taylor Taylor's not a good team in, in 4A. They're, they're, they're a struggling program right now. But for a guy in his first varsity start to come out and look that sharp has to give um, Coach Campsey um, and, and Tiger fans a lot of confidence that, that they're going to be fine off it. Because they've got a lot of playmakers. Keyshawn Raven, uh, Cameron Valdez, a running back. They've got guys who can make plays. But you know, not having a quarterback, a re- reliable quarterback, was going to make things a lot more difficult on the Tigers. And I think Kobe Mitchell, at least through one, one week, I think, really alleviated those fears. On the other side, you look at Lexington, and obviously the uh, headliner there is Jared Kerr. He's uh, a junior, and he's got offers from everyone. I mean, we're talking A&M, Oklahoma, Texas, Baylor, you name it. They are after uh, the Lexington junior. And uh, in week one, he, he, he struggled a little bit. Uh, he was a little out of, you know, he, he, by his own admission, I think he was a little not, not in game shape quite yet. He was cramping up and he was more of a decoy on the offensive side of the ball last in the first week against the West. But last week he really busted out uh, 252 yards rushing and four touchdowns. He's a big physical back, but he's got breakaway speed. He's got great feet. Um, he's, he's a star on the defensive side of the ball as well. And I, and I think uh, he's kind of the difference maker for Lexington. Lexington doesn't have um, the, the skill, talent, depth that Rockdale has. I think they'll be able to match up in the trenches with Rockdale. But I think the key here is Lexington's got a lot more guys that go both ways. And I think if Rockdale pushes the tempo a little bit, I think that could wear Lexington out, uh, especially in the second half if it's going to be uh, – 
you know, kind of the humid night down there in, in uh, Central Texas. Yeah, I think that this is a really, really interesting matchup of two teams that, um, in, in in a lot of ways, I think they they, they, they both are 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 built similarly in the sense that, um, you know, for for Rockdale, this is a team that's going to throw the ball more than than Lexington. I think Lexington has just kind of just resigned themselves to not resign themselves. I'd say as a as a second, it's a bad option. Uh, they're going to be a running team. Like they're just that's just what they're going to be. I think they I think they have have kind of said, why don't we just make the entire the, the entire plane out of Jared Kerr, which is a great idea, <laughs> super good idea, uh, and it's working really well. Rockdale's going to be a little bit more um, a little bit more I would say versatile, a little bit more balanced in their attack. Um, and yeah, I'm interested in this in this uh, this Kobe Mitchell kid. Like if they if they're able to have the, to have that kind of quarterback play. Um, then suddenly watch out. You know, Rockdale's obviously had a history of some fantastic quarterbacks come through. Um, if this is another one, now you know you mentioned it. It was against Taylor. It's, it's a you know it's a it's a win. They they probably should have. But I don't know. I'm I'm interested in that one. I think that's I think that's a very very solid first pick. If a little bit off the board, I think that's fine. All right, a off the board. But I think it's a good. It's a yeah, good 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 rival. You know, we we love the rivalry games. This is kind of a rivalry game, Na- neighborhood battle. Uh, speaking of rivalry games. Matthew, my first pick, we are going to go to, let me see if I can find some interesting, I cannot, um, let's go to Shackleford County, and let's talk about what's going down Friday night at Denny Faith Field at Robert Nail Memorial Stadium, I don't know. All right, all right. Um. Apparently, did you know this? Did you know that? Uh, did you know that that uh, Albany Stadium is named after a playwright? No, I did not know that. I'm reading this on TexasBob.com right now. Uh, Robert Nail Memorial Stadium. The stadium's named after Robert Nail. He was an Albany grad and a Princeton University grad. He was a playwright that came back to Albany to teach and wrote the Fort Griffin Fandangle, an outdoor musical that's been going on annually since 1938. So they named the football stadium after. Okay, of that's very West Texas of them. Very West Texas. In any case, for the second week in a row, I get to talk about Hamlin because it's Hamlin and Albany uh, in a game that I am really, really interested in. Like, it, it, by the way, for these first few weeks, it's going to seem like we may be talking about the same couple of teams a couple of times. That's because they've scheduled super tough non-district. Yeah, they're playing great games. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk a little bit about Albany. Um, I think that, I don't know if you can say that a team that's played for state championships in this decade, multiple state championships in this decade, that's coached by Denny Faith. I don't know if you can ever call them underrated, but like, I don't know if people are talking about them enough as, uh, as much as they should. Um, but I think, I think Hamlin's sucking up a lot of the oxygen in that part of the state, right? I mean, cause Hamlin kind of overtook Albany last year. Uh, but let me tell you, uh, you need to start paying attention to them. This is a really good team and potentially, potentially like a really dangerous offense. They took the boots to Dublin last week. And that's and a, that's a th- all of these two AD two and Dublin's three AD two. And they and, beat them by yeah. four, by 40, basically. Yeah. And, and Dublin's not a bad three, a division two team by any means. That's a, that's a playoff team in three AD two. Uh, Jaheim Newton, the running back, ran for 310 and two touchdowns. Barrett Beal was really solid as well. Um, 
And this is a little bit of this is this isn't like a, a I guess this is a it's a rivalry, but it's it's not like a it's 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 a rivalry that's come of age lately. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think finally both these teams are really good at the same time. Um, because back in what 2018, they played twice. They played twice. Yeah, Albany won both, even though Hamlin was kind of the. It, it took all. You know, Hamlin has always been good, but they've always kind of played second fiddle to at Albany. And then last year, finally, it flipped, and it really flipped last year because Hamlin drilled Albany last year, beat beat him bad in district play. Well, well, all Hamlin's been doing is beating the brakes off people, and of course, I spotlighted the Hamlin Holly game last week, and Hamlin goes out there and just cruised i mean they looked really good especially especially defensively you know one thing we were really worried about was was hamlin going to be able to match up up front in the front seven against a really physical and big holly team and not only did they match up they arguably won in the trenches like which is really impressive um, yes. so, so that's something I'm, I'm, I'm very Jackson Sabeta had a, had a huge game for, for Hamlin. Uh, and this is, I think this is a, I mean, look, you don't want to, you don't want to get too far out over your skis, but what I will say is that if you start looking at two, a division two, right. And, and, and I know that there's a, you know, Mart is Mart's Mart. Mart's going to do what Mart's going to do. Okay. Mart's going to go full Mart. Right. Exactly. But if you start looking at Region 2, right, and who's going to come out of that left side of the bracket, like, yeah, Wellington's looking pretty good. They, they looked good in their, in their opener. Uh, certainly, uh, Coach Prophet, we had him on scoreboard. He was really fired up. Uh, Wink is going to be in that mix as well. Stratford, I still, I'm not there throwing dirt on Stratford or Clarendon or, or Vega. Uh, but in, in, in Region 2, there's a team I'm going to talk about a little bit later. Hopefully, I can draft that game. But, like, Hamlin and Albany are at the very least two of the top three teams in Region Two. Absolutely, these these are two teams that you could easily, uh, I, you know, they're not in the same district this year, so I don't know if the bracket would put them playing each other in the regional semis or the regional final, but this could easily be the first of two meetings. Yeah. These are two quality programs. I'm very interested. Hamlin defense against Albany offense. I think that's going to be a lot of that's that's the showstopper matchup. Uh, Hamlin and Albany is 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 a huge 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 game uh, out there. In uh, in Shackleford County, so that is my first pick. What is your second pick, Matt? I'm going to go down to the coast, and I'm going to take the most elite of mascot matchups this week, uh-huh. as the Rice Birds from El Campo visit the Sand Crabs of Port Lavaca Calhoun. Um, doesn't get much better from a mascot standpoint than these two, and it, the football should be pretty good as well. Um, El Campo had the week off last week, um, but they were really impressive in their opener. They just drilled Gonzalez. Uh, Charles Shorter returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown, and it was it was on for El Campo. They beat Gonzalez thirty five to nothing two weeks ago, and to, to their to El Campo to the advantage of El Campo, they've had a, they've had two weeks to get ready for this flying veer offense uh, of Port Lavaca Calhoun. I think that will work um, to their advantage, and then you add in uh, you know. John Trey Davis and oh maybe maybe the best sophomore running back in the country and Ruben Owens, uh, this three headed monster that El Campo has in the backfield is really going to be tough to stop. Um, Calhoun, on the other hand, I think has impressed me on defense. You know, if you looked at Calhoun in, in their recent years in five A, they've been able to move the ball on just about everyone, but defensively they, they've struggled. And I think through two weeks, 
they've been pretty solid defensively. Last week, um, they, they drilled Stafford uh, 40 to 15. But, you know, in, through two games, they're averaging giving up 17 and a half points a game. And I think Coach Richard Whitaker, if you asked him if that would last through the whole season, I think he'd take it because I think he feels like their offense is going to eventually score score points. And, you know, Steve Johnston is kind of the, the headliner for Calhoun. But last week, he was more of a decoy. It, it was quarterback Jarius Stewart who got things going for Calhoun. He had 213 yards, rushing five touchdowns uh, to lead the way. I think this is a really fascinating, intriguing matchup, a top 10 matchup in 4A Division One, And I think that it gives us another kind of measuring stick game when you look at teams in the top 10, because now you get to compare Calhoun, who lost to La Vega in week one. You can kind of, by the transitive property, kind of see how El Campo potentially could match up with Waco La Vega uh, as well because of the common opponent in Calhoun. So I think it's a really fascinating matchup. These two are old rivals. They've been in dis- the same district many, many years when they were both uh, old 4A programs. So these two programs know each other well, and it's going to be an old-school kind of kind of slugfest kind of game. Yeah, this is going to be – this is an interesting you're, – you're right. This is – old school is the word uh, because this is a, a, a two teams that are just going to go out there and just kind of take the, take the boots to one another. Um, I guess I didn't realize, like, El Campo has really, really kind of dominated this series historically. Um, yeah, Cal- Calhoun. Calhoun really, before Richard Whitaker got there, was kind of a joke of a football program. They were bad for a long, long time. Richard Whitaker kind of really revived that program. But if you look through Calhoun's history as a football program, there's been a lot of lean years. Yeah. Well, here's this. This will be the 46th time these two teams have meeting and uh, meet meeting is not a word, Greg. Um, they've met. Uh, El Campo's won 41 of them. That's a pretty one-sided rivalry. Forty-one, three, and one is the is the is what the it stands at right now. Uh, but I think you're right. Yeah, El Campo's interesting. El Campo's a really um, they're a team that I think they're a team I think you're going to hear a lot about for a couple of reasons. One of them is that they're really pretty good. They've got a lot of teams that are that are really really talented, or a lot of guys that are really really talented, and they and they, they look like a contender. The other part is the is the the prospect part of this, is that you're going to get the recruitnik people into El Campo uh, oh, yeah. because of because of Ruben Owens, um, and so this is the team to familiarize yourself with, as opposed to Port Lavac Calhoun, which oh we're on the premium podcast, I can say this maybe the least sexy team in Texas. Yeah, they're 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 pretty uh, they're pretty blue collar, and they don't. Their best player is a fullback named Steve Johnson. That, if yeah. that's not if that's not blue collar, just like three yards in a cloud of dust, like unsexy football, but winning football, I don't know what is. Steve Johnson could do my taxes. Who was the guy from uh, um, La Vega two years ago? The running back who we said was oh, a grown God. man, grown man name. He John, Richards. John Richards. John Richards. Right? John <laughs> Richards CPA. Yeah, John Richards CPA. <laughs> Steve Johnston. Um, you know, you know, financial, you know, IRS attorney or something. Richard, <laughs> Richards and Johnston attorneys yeah, at law, yeah. but they don't do like the interesting attorney work. They do like uh-huh. tax law. <laughs> yeah, something really boring. Anyway, Steve Johnston does not play football boring. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's fun to watch, and and, and this is going to be a fun matchup if you're interested in that uh, in Calhoun uh, in El Campo. My second pick, I'm going to go to Central Texas. 
I'm going to go to another team that I know I've featured before, but uh, I can't help they schedule interesting games. And that is, let's go to Lampas County and talk about the Lampas Badgers. Badger, hosting, Badger, Badger, Badger. Hosting the Wimberley Texans. We talked a lot about land passes, and we'll talk at length about land passes, although it is worth mentioning that I think it really flew under the radar that they just beat the brakes off of Steve. That was pretty eye-opening um, for a lot of reasons last week, mainly that I, I can't remember the last time Stephenville got shut out. It's probably been a while. Yeah, I, that's actually a good. Ooh, that's a good question. I should yeah, find I mean, the last time Lampass is just hammered. That's a good Stephenville team that we think highly of. And Lampass is, if Lampass is going to play defense like that, you might as well hand them the trophy because they're they're going to win it all this year. Yeah, exactly. I think that's I think that's that's a great way to put it. You know, and 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 look, Lampass look look great in in that that win. And there's there's a lot to like about Lampass. Not only Ace Whitehead. Uh, but but also just uh, you know if that defense is coming along and, and you know look the the opener against Brownwood they were they were fair uh, they were obviously excellent against Stephenville we've said from the long time that for a long time that it's going to be up to that defense to get them over the top. Uh, you know, so far, so so far, so good. Um, you know, they're also getting, by the way, a really nice running a running game with Jack Jerome and Case Brisket. Mm-hmm. They're running the ball well too. So that's the lane pass. We're going to talk about lane passes a lot. Let's talk about Wimberley. And Wimberley was a team, obviously, last year that kind of surprised us in a state in a run to a state championship game. And the early results have been. Oh, let, let, let's start with this. The early result against Canyon Lake, where. Did they have to score in the final minute to, to win that game? Yes. Yeah, they had to score late to win. Um, concerning, a little concerning. Uh, they go out and they beat Quero last week, by the way. Oh, no, no, Quero. No, no, Quero. Quero's um, struggling. That, that, that's, you really can't learn a lot from that game, I don't think. Yeah. But what we have not seen from them is that offense – with coach under coach Warren really take flight. It's been okay. The new quarterback is uh is Matthew Tippy and he's been solid. He's been sharp, but he hasn't been like that flamethrower, wide open, dangerous offense that they were last year. Although I think it's also worth mentioning, as I just talk out of both sides of my mouth here, I think it's worth mentioning that in a lot of ways that Wimberley offense didn't take flight until late. It was good during the season and then the offense or the playoffs came and it like, like they like to, to, to quote America's most treasured film series, uh, fast and the furious, like they hit the NOS in the off season. <laughs> so I'm not, I don't know if I'm necessarily ready to hit the panic button, but here's a great measuring stick is a Wimberley team, um, going up that whose, whose defense has been sound, whose offense maybe has got to get into gear. Here's an opportunity to get into gear. Against the defense is playing really well right now. Um, and two teams that are no stranger to the big stage, the big game. Um, the computer really likes Wimberley. The computer, and part of it is because they were in a title game last year. Uh, they are uh, they, they are number six in our 4A Division II rankings. Oh, they do have land passes by 16 in this game, which tells you how much the computer thinks of land passes. Uh, I'm interested in this game. I, this is one of those games that I'm. I, I think Lamp Passes is going to win. I'm. I'm. I'm ready to see. I, I, I'm a lot more interested in like the the nuance of this game. How Wimberly looks against a team that is decidedly a contender. Quero, 
Canyon Lake, not necessarily contenders in my mind. Here's a, here's a measuring stick game for Wimberley because can we start talking about them in that 4A Division II discussion, uh, especially on that right you know on that right side of the bracket in Region Four? Because Region Four, as we talked about, especially look Navarro got beat last week, and that was not necessarily mm-hmm. inspiring. Somebody's got to win Region Four. There's going to be somebody, and, yeah. And 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 I like to see Wimberley step up to the plate here. That's something. This is a big measuring stick game for Wimberley. For me. I agree. And I think I think they will land passes. I don't think I don't I don't think they can play any better than they played last week against Stephenville. And I think Wimberley is, for lack of a better term, due for a, a good game. So I, th- I think we'll see a good game uh, on Friday night. I think land passes takes it, but I think Wim- I think Wimberley pushes them on the road. I think that's right. Okay, what's your third pick, Matthew? All right, I'm going to go with a neutral site game as the Waco La Vega Cream Puff schedule continues <laughs> as they take on their third straight state-ranked opponent in a row, the Cal Allen Wildcats, in a game at Rattler Stadium in San Marcos. Um, La Vega, we did drop them from number one this week. Um, they did they won last week against our rival Connolly, but um, it was a slugfest. It was a, a slop fest and a, a 13 to 10 win. Um, but I think the biggest story from this game is the La Vega quarterback situation. Aaron Rawls, the third, left the game with an injury. Um, his arm was in a sling. Reports are that he's going to be out um, for a significant amount of time. Um, no, you know, no confirmation, um, and nor nor should there be confirmation. But I've been, pre- you know, given the the word that it's going to be a significant amount. He ain't playing this week for sure. I can tell you that. Um, so La Vega is going to have their backup quarterback. Um, and really offensively, they, they through two weeks, they've struggled. They've they've scored 20 and 13 points in two weeks. Um, I think teams are right now daring the Pirates to throw the football, and they haven't been able to throw it consistently. And I think that's something they're going to have to improve on um, if they want to uh, achieve the goals they want to achieve, which is win a state championship, because the bar, the bar there in North Waco is a state title for the, the Vega program. Um, but luckily for them, their defense has been outstanding. It's been as advertised, and you know that a Don Hyde defense um, is going to come to play each and every week. And that's one thing they have been able to hang their hat on. Um, they've allowed 17 points in two games. Uh, that's pretty good, and I think that you'll see that continue uh, for the Pirates. Um, they've got a big challenge this week, though. Cal Allen, uh, first of all, let me say this about Jordanson. Um, I thought Jordanson, you know, you look at the final score, and it was 56-35, to 35, Cal Allen beat Jordanson. That was a 35-35 game in the fourth quarter. Oh, no, uh, that game, we were keeping track of that at, 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 uh, on the Fox show. And that game was like, that game was nip and tuck. And yeah. Jordanson was winning a decent amount of that, that game. Yeah, Jordanson kind of in the fourth quarter, Cal Allen took the lead. And then Jordanson, I think, fumbled the kickoff after Cal Allen made it 42-35. Yeah. They fumbled the kickoff. Cal Allen scored, made it 49-35. And I think they threw an interception. So it kind of fell apart late for them. But that, that, that score is not indicative of the competitiveness of that game. So Jordanson in 3A Division One, I, I think, can feel really good about that game. I think Cal Allen could walk away feeling good about it because I think they finally kind of they, – they got offense offense. They got going. Jeremiah Earls had a huge game for the Wildcats, ran for 317 and three touchdowns. Um, he's he's kind of their go-to back. Um, the thing about this game, both defenses thrive against one-dimensional opponents. 
Both these teams are, are, are pretty set in their ways offensively that they like to run the football. I think this game comes down to which offense can find a way to make a play or two in the passing game because ne- neither team is going to give up much running the football this year. I think this game, I think it's going to be low scoring. Uh, first one to 20 wins, I think, in this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's going to go quick. There's not gonna, This game is going to last like an hour and a half and it'll be over with. It, it, these two teams don't mess around when it comes to running the football and playing tough defense. Yeah, that's it. It's going to be a it's going to be a hard hitting game. It's going to be physical. Um, let me share something. Let me share a text message exchange that you and I had with um, with Don Hyde of of La Vega, and I'll you know he, Don he Hyde this, one, of, one of our favorites, by the way. One of our favorite. He shared he shared this in confidence, so I'll now broadcast it to an audience. Uh, this was on this was on July thirty first, so this must have been right after. Um, the attorney general came out and lifted the McLennan County order um, and said that they don't have to listen to, to state, uh, county health orders. He asked, how good will Cal Allen be? Uh, we're thinking about playing them in week three and we're in discussion, but I have no idea what I might be getting into. Uh, it's like, yeah, you know what? That's you want to talk. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, there are a few people, well, there are a few places like La Vega, as far as like, uh, we'll play anybody anytime. If Allen wants to play on the moon, like we'll play on the moon. Uh, like the, 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 it's anybody, anywhere, anytime. Uh, yes. and, and yeah, so, uh, it's, it's an interesting matchup. It's, it's one of those, it's one of those silver lining matchups of this weird season that because you had so many contenders tr- uh, scrambling for, for games, they just kind of started looking at like this. Yeah, you get games like this where it's just like, oh, well, uh, I need a game, you need a game, screw it, let's make it work. You know, uh, that's, a, that's a silver lining type situation. And then we get to another kind of uh, data point on, in our 4A Division One top 10 because this is another, yeah. you know, we can compare Cal Allen and Calhoun a little bit in 15 4A. We can compare La Vega, El Campo's in there. I mean, this is a nice... Nice little little uh, kind of rotation we have going on in 4A Division One with all these top 10 teams playing each other. Yeah, it, it's a really, really fun, uh, interesting matchup that I think is it's going to be worth uh, worth keeping an eye on. So um, keep an eye on that. All right, my third pick. Let's go. Where is this game? Yeah, okay. Uh, Matthew, let's go to Panther Stadium in beautiful Panhandle, Texas. Carson County calling uh, as the Panhandle Panthers will welcome in the 2-0 Vega Longhorns, the alma mater of my co-host on Fox Sports Southwest, Ken Purcell. That's uh, right. They, Jason Porton's done a really good job up there at Vega. He has. And Vega, you know, last week uh, against Boys Ranch, and look, Boys Ranch is, you know, that's, they're, 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 they ride the struggle bus. Uh, they, they won big – uh, their quarterback, uh, Ryan Grawunder, uh, was excellent. Defense looked great. They're 2-0. Uh, well, you know, I, I've, it's hard to say this, but it's like your defense is probably going to look great against Boys Ranch. I don't know how – I don't know if Boys Ranch has scored this year, to be real honest. They struggle. They, they're on a long losing streak, and they really, really struggled recently. Boys Ranch uh, has scored 13 points. But uh, yeah, right, so they're, they're, they're struggling, right? That's a, that's a, that's a team that that's that's in a bad way right now. Well, here's a test for your defense, uh, because Panhandle has been lighting it up. They've been a Pan- flamethrower offensively. Panhandle is averaging a cool fifty-seven points a game <laughs> or yeah. two. 
Uh, they they put up and and last week they they had nearly 600 yards um, a, a, against against a team that played for a title like 20 months ago. Yeah, and Groover's and Groover. so, so far off now. So it's, Groover, it, it's shocking how how bad they are right now. There, remember Groover. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, Landon Hack, their quarterback's been great. This is a team that is is just they they beat you in a lot of different ways, and this offense is high powered, yes. big time. I, so, I saw Payne, I saw Payne Hindle last year in the first round of the playoffs um, against um, Sundown, and they yeah. lost a shootout in that game. And I remember looking at the roster and seeing all these guys were back. So I, you know, you could tell Payne Hindle was going to be really good offensively. They're, they're living up to it early on. Well, and furthermore, I mean, again, f- like for, for Vega, right? So this is 2A Division two in, in Panhandle um, going up against 2A um, Division one in Vega. Uh, and Or I'm sorry, in, in 2A Division one in Panhandle, 2A Division two yeah, in Vega. Yeah. What I'll tell you is that for both of these teams, I think this is an opportunity to announce to their respective region, like, hey, us two. Like, mm-hmm. count us into this conversation. Because in 2A Division two, 2A Division one. Panhandle like post is there, right? Uh, Cisco is there, although they got beat. Um, Saint Saba is there. Uh, Hawley, I still have high hopes for them. New Deal, I still think they're they're a team to be reckoned with. If Panhandle could go and win this game and do it looking good, then they can raise their hand and be like us too. Like we're in that mix. Same yeah. thing goes for Vega, because Vega, we were talking a little bit earlier. You know, Wellington, Wink, Stratford, Clarendon. There are teams that we believe are going to be in that mix. Vega can, like, vault themselves into that conversation. By the way, I believe one of, like, five 11-man teams that have played two games and pitched two shutouts. Uh, and, so things are looking good for the Longhorns. I am very interested in this game. Computer likes panhandle in this one, being at home, uh, and that and the offense is is has been really strong. And, and, and you look at panhandle's loss, and they lost to Childress, who is a yeah. – Pretty good three A Division two team this year. So and and right. the thing is Vegas beaten. I mean, all due respect, Vegas opponents are Amarillo Highland Park and Boys Ranch, who are combined zero yeah. four and a combined zero four and like not like by accident. I, I don't think Highland Park scored any. I think Highland. I think Highland Park scored a total of zero points. So I think that's yeah, correct. It, it's two teams riding the struggle bus for sure. By the way, for Vega, uh, you like we'll find out real quick about them because here is your um, here's your 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 uh, schedule for them. They get Panhandle this week. They're at Spearman, uh, then they host Bovina. That should be a win, and then they're at Clarendon. So yeah, we'll learn a lot they, about they, the Longhorns. We'll find out about them. That's before they get Stratford in district play and Sunray, who's suddenly a very interesting. Team. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I am. I'm very interested in this one. Vega and Panhandle, my third pick. What is your fourth pick? I'm going to go to East Texas, a battle of unbeatens, uh, although one of them has only played one game, and that is Paul Pewitt visiting Mount Vernon. Uh, Paul Pewitt, um, I thought, had one of the most impressive wins at, um, all of last week. Um, playing their first game of the year, um, they, they, they missed week one due to COVID, um, and they come out and, and put the hammer on a, a larger school in Atlanta, 40-21. to 21. Um, No. Kadrian Johnson had a 90-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, two rushing touchdown. Deontay Hill, 155 yards rushing and a touchdown. He had a 63-yard touchdown reception. Um, that's what Pewitt does. Pewitt's got big-time weapons at the skill positions, and even though they're under a new head coach in Richard Strickland, they're still running that slot T offense. They're still extremely, extremely dangerous. They got a big test this week. Mount Vernon um, is, is really strong out of the gate. They – 
they played Pittsburgh last week, and the game was called at halftime due to lightning, and the Tigers were up 36-7 to on Pittsburgh. That's a good Pittsburgh team. That's not that's not a, a, a toast Pittsburgh team by any means. That's a good team. Uh, Brock Neller, 285 yards passing and five touchdowns in the first half. Uh, yeah. That's pretty pretty impressive. Mount Vernon um, has got a, a lot of guys back from last year. They've, they've picked up the spread offense well. Um I think this is a dangerous team in 3A Division One, um, but Pewitt is the kind of team that I think gives Mount Vernon trouble because I think Pewitt is going to play keep away that slot T offense, and I think they're going to limit Mount Vernon's touches. You, you don't want to get into shootout with a, a team that runs the kind of offense that, that Mount Vernon runs. You want to slow the game down, limit the touches, and Pewitt's offense is, is designed for that. Um, and I think their defense is athletic enough and, and sound enough to where they can get a stop or two. And then that really, if they can do that and, and, and jump out on Mount Vernon, it really will put the pressure on the Tigers a little bit because, you know, Pew, Pew is liable to hold the ball for eight, nine minutes um, yeah. and just not give it up. So um, I, I love the contrast and styles in this game. And I think this is a really good measuring stick game, uh, especially for Mount Vernon because of how strong 3A Division One Region 2 is. Mount Vernon comes out and wins this game. I think you can start to talk about Mount Vernon, um, you know, starting to kind of creep into that Gladewater, Grandview, Pottsboro, Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just Malakoff kind of discussion. Whereas if they lose this game, I think you can kind of still can keep Mount Vernon kind of in that second tier of teams. Whereas I think we have a good feeling about Pewitt and they're playing up uh, from as a, as a division two school. So I think as, you know, barring some kind of just big time blowout, I, I, I don't know how much we'll learn about Pewitt. Um, Cause I think we kind of know what we're getting with the Brahmas here. A lot to learn from this game, a lot to learn. And, and, and yeah, I think, you're right. I think we're all kind of waiting for, I think we, We've, we Paul Pugh's a little bit more of a known known commodity. Uh, Mount Vernon is is an it's an interesting team that could be on the rise. And if they go out there and they beat a team that is in many ways stylistically designed to beat them, uh, then suddenly things get really really interesting for Mount Vernon. So I think it's a good pick, Mount Vernon and Paul Pugh. All right. We are now entering the portion of the podcast in which we're probably at games that would otherwise qualify as hipster games. Um, and, and let me talk about uh, my favorite hipster game of the week, although it's actually a super good game, which is Windthorst at Archer City. Ooh, okay, okay. And this is a matchup. I think this is a matchup of two kind of Dave Campbell's darlings. I think we have high expect. These are these are these are teams that I think you could easily put in a sleeper column. Uh, I'm definitely high on Windthorst. I'm really high on Windthorst. Windthorst, and by the way, they've looked the part. They've looked really, really good in their first two wins over uh, Henrietta, and then they beat the brakes off of Dillion last week. Um, Cy Belcher, their quarterback, is great. Ethan Belcher, uh, the running back, they're getting. A, they've got a sophomore who's kind of gone off in Clay Hoff. Uh, they spread the ball around. They've had, I think it's 12 different people catch a pass already in two games. I mean, their offense is really impressive. I like Winthorst a lot. And, and by the way, they are now back up into – where are they in our rankings? They've got to be um, – let me see. Where is Winthorst? You're fourth. They're number four in our 2A Division one, two rankings. They are a team that is kind of lurking there and, 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 and could be really, really solid. Going up against Archer City, who I think last year, and maybe this is just me, because were they a 10-win team last year? They're, no, I'm sorry. They were 7-4. I was wrong. 
They were um, solid, though. They're solid. They're very, very solid. Like a clear step forward uh, for them uh, last year. Um, and and I really think that uh, Shad Hanna has done an excellent, excellent job there. And they're a team on the rise. And look, they've looked good. They've looked really, really solid in their in their first in in their first game. They they went. Uh, and and they took on Haskell and they just they did what they should do to they did what contenders do to teams that they're better than which they just dominated them. Um, they rang up more than 500 yards of total offense. Uh, their court they've got dual threat quarterback in Ty Bates who is uh, fun to watch. And by the way, a lot of sophomores and juniors and even some freshmen on this team that are getting some run. Um, this is a prove it game for them. This is a huge opportunity with a big time um, with a with a big time state ranked team coming to town. An opportunity to say, you know what, we're a team that that you're gonna have to deal with as well. This is number four in our computer rankings in two A Division two, up against number eleven in Archer City. Uh, and here's an opportunity. Like here, like all you can ask for is 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 a chance to to prove yourself against the big boys. Uh, and here you go, you know, back into that region two, uh, which is kind of wide open, waiting for somebody to take hold of it. Uh, you know, waiting for at least waiting for a team to kind of step up and be uh, the uh, be the, the chief challenger at Hamlin. Um, here's an opportunity, and and I think I think this is a great opportunity for for Archer City, their first real test of the year, um, going up against a state ranked team with an opportunity to really make a statement. I'm interested in this game. I think this game is going to be fun. I think it's a great measuring stick game in the Wichita Falls area. Um, I agree. I think we'll learn more about Archer. I think I think we've got a good grasp on Winthorpe. I think this is one of those games where I think we're going to find out if Archer City is truly a contender or if they're still kind of in that second right. that, that second tier of, t- of teams. Yeah, it's a sorting it's a sorting out game. Yep. All right. What is your next pick, Matt? This is number five, right? Your fifth five. and final pick. All right, I'm going to go with a renewal in John, a re- renewed rivalry in Johnson County in a game that has not been played since 2013, but these two communities are fired up, I can tell you that. It is Grandview and Godley meeting in a battle of 2-0 and o teams. Um, this is an old, old Johnson County rivalry. These two teams are not far apart from each other, and for decades they were basically in the same district. Um, and Godley in 2014 moved up to 4A and Grandview stayed in 3A. So they haven't just connected in non-district and the two coaches finally uh, got it done. And I know these two communities have really been clamoring uh, to play this game because there's a lot of bragging rights on the, on the line here. Like I said, these two teams, they, they go way back and all these kids know each other. And this is going to be kind of the, one of those, there's a lot of respect there, but I think this is going to be a really intense uh, game because I think, you know, even though Grandview, um, has this, the state titles, they're still in a lot of ways, you know, Godley still feels like they're the bigger brother because they're the bigger school. Um, Grandview last week went down to, you know, played a 4A Division II team in Salado, went on the road in a rainstorm in a game that got delayed, I think, over an hour. And Grandview won a game that, that really isn't their style. They, they, they Salado kind of lured them with the weather playing a factor as well. I think Salado really lured them into their kind of game. And to Grandview's credit, they won a slugfest, 21-7 yeah. to 7 over Salado. And, uh, you know, Dane Yench, they, they, you know, Salado held the ball away from Grandview. Dane Yench didn't have a great game. But Grandview's defense, you know, stepped up. We had a lot of questions about their defense, um, you know, aside from Demetrius Crownover, who's the headliner. But, you know, they, they got they got some key turnovers. They scored a touchdown of their own, and, and they found a way to, uh, to make plays. Um, 
Godley, on the other hand, um, you know, their quarterback transferred to Alito this offseason. Ethan Brayer transferred out, um, and Cade Burke has stepped right in, and Godley's averaging 55 points a game. So it seems like the Wildcats are going to be okay. They they handled Mineral Wells 61 to, 61 to 20 last week, and, you know, Mineral Wells is a struggling program right now, but Godley did what, what a team like them should do against a team that's struggling and, and, and blow them out. This matchup, I think, um, is going to come down to, uh, to me, big game experience. This game is going to have that big game feel, especially locally because of the the proximity of the two towns and the, the fact this game hasn't been played in a few years. And it seems like the bigger the game, the more Dane Yench steps up. Mm-hmm. And that, this guy has been around. This is a, he's a four-year starter. He's played in a ton of big playoff games. And when, when, when the chips are down, he seems to make plays in these moments. And I just feel like uh, – you go, you go with the team with the best player on the field in this type of game, and it's it's Grandview and Dane Yench. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think this game is really, really interesting. And, and yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, for Godley, um, you know, they they want they can they get a crack at the champs you know what I mean like they get they get them for for an opportunity to 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 make a statement to the state and say you know what like we're 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 for real and we're more than just you know a quarterback who's not with us anymore like that's a big opportunity this is the biggest godly game in whew, a minute. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's in a while for sure. It's a big game in Godly. This game will be fun. I'm, I'm, I think that's an excellent pick. My fifth and final pick is I'm going to take a game that actually lost a little bit of starch last week, but I'm still very interested in. We're going to the six man ranks. We're going to go Rankin and Borden County for my fifth and final pick. These are two teams that are still state ranked. Borden County it ran into the upset machine that is Westbrook. Westbrook has now beaten Motley County and Borden County in consecutive weeks to start the season, which is like insane. Uh, they, they, I know that's big. Right, exactly. When 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 non six man step is like, whoa, really? Like that's that's big doings. Uh, but this is still number six Borden County against number one Rankin in our two in our one uh, A Division one rankings. Uh, Rankin got a big win last week over a state ranked White Deer team. They have looked excellent. They have a, a running back. Uh, by the name of Deshaun Goodley and a linebacker named Braxton Kirkland, who are going to kind of lead the way for them. Going up against a Borden County team that that's looking to bounce back. You know, pro, I, I think that they they from a, from a headspace perspective, this is a big game for them to make sure they go and, and kind of dominate, especially defensively, slow down what's been a pretty explosive ranking attack. Uh, you know, their their defensive end uh, Mason Cole is going to have to be key in that. This is a team that's going to grind it on the ground uh, in Borden County. Two really really good coaches in Garrett Avalos. Going up against Trey Ritchie there at Borden County. This is a fun game. And if you're anywhere near, uh, I guess this game is at, I want to say it's at Borden County. This game is at, hold on. Uh, yeah, this game's at Borden County. If you're anywhere near there, this is worth your time. Uh, keep an eye on this one. Number one versus number eight in our computer rankings, and then number one versus number six in our human rankings. Go check that out. That is my fifth and final pick is Rankin and Borden County. So there's your draft. We did, Step took Rockdale, Lexington, El Campo, Portland, Vaca, Calhoun, Cal Allen, La Vega. Uh, Paul Pugh at Mount Vernon and Grandview Godley. I took Hamlin, Albany, Wimberley, Lampasas, Vega, Panhandle, Windthorst, Archer City, and Rankin, Borden County. Matt Stepp, it's time for your favorite time of the week. What is your hipster game of the week? Well, I decided to go small school here in a battle of a couple of surprise 2-0 teams. Hmm. Um, Memphis visiting Hale Center. 
in a battle of surprise 2-0 team. Memphis is off to a really good start. David Huardo has done a really good job. They have opened up with wins over Electra and Crosbyton. Um, and I think the Electra game, especially considering uh, the kind of talent that they have at quarterback over at Electra, it's a big win for Memphis. Um, and they're in a really tough district, so they got to be ready to go. And they're taking on uh, Hale Center, who's uh, fresh off a shutout of Amarillo Highland Park, 24 to nothing last week. So, uh, a couple of real surprise teams in the 2A ranks, Hale Center being Division One, uh, Memphis being Division Two. I kind of like Memphis in this game. I think Memphis is going to have a little bit of the edge of the skill spots, and I think that might be uh, the difference as the Cyclones, whose uh, stadium bumps right up against Highway 287 going through, going through town there. I know when PATs are kicked, the, the ball goes into the highway. So uh, we'll go with the Memphis Cyclones in a win to go to 3-0 over Hale Center. Okay, I like it. Matthew, I am going to take a district game. Really? A district That's game? right. And look, I'm not here to tell you that when one and one Nixon Smiley brings welcomes in uh, 0-2 Stockdale, that this is going to be the, the greatest game of all time. But this is the hipster game of the week. And if you want to talk about games that actually count, here's a big, meaningful game. So... Uh, district, this is District 15, 3A, or 3A Division 2. They have built in three bye weeks for each of their teams uh, because they want to make sure that they are able to go and get these games in in the event that games have to get canceled. Now, one of the bye weeks, or I'm sorry, they built in two extra ones because one of them, there are seven teams in the district. And so they have three bye weeks in, in here. So that means district play starts this week. Yeah, they, they play a couple of weeks and then they'll, they'll take a week off. They have a, they have a non-district game, I think, built in. You know that kind of thing. That yeah. is that is exactly right. And so, if you're looking for a battle for this fourth playoff spot, let's go ahead and pencil in uh, Poth, who, good God in heaven, <laughs> yeah, pretty impressive. We should probably not let this podcast end without saying that kind of Polish bowl reference there. They God Almighty, hammered Fall City. And then, and then George West. Um, pencil them in. Natalia, I think, still looks good for for that third spot. So then you've got the fourth spot. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume all due respect to our friends at Dilly. I don't think Dilly's making, but you got three teams there: Stockdale, Carn City, and, and Nixon Smiley. I think this is a big matchup here. Uh, Nixon Smiley's one and one. Uh, they've got a, a win over Bloomington, and then they lost a close one last week to uh, False uh, to Three Rivers. Uh, Stockdale's been riding the struggle bus a little bit. Got to get that offense uh, in gear. But this is a big game. I mean, you're talking about a meaningful game on September uh, 11. Like you're having big time matchups. Uh, this game's going on at Nixon Smiley. I like it. My tips are game of the week is Stockdale at Nixon Smiley. I like it. And it's a district ball game too. So exactly. I didn't even realize they were playing district this week. How about that? Yeah, see, that's that's why you got to pay attention. Uh, and now, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you are going to be, uh, where you're going to be going this week. All right. Well, uh, Thursday night, I will be back in the Concho Valley for – Fort Stockton and Glen Rose in a uh, neutral site game in San Angelo. Uh, Fort Stockton fresh off a, a loss to Alpine. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're one and one on the year. Glen oh, Rose. In, the, in the home and home. Yeah. Well, they played. They played that game at. Uh, they moved it from Alpine Stadium to Sol Ross's Stadium last week, so they can get more more fans in. Uh, I heard it was a really great atmosphere at Jackson Field there in Alpine. Uh, so shout out to them. Uh, 
Should be a good ball game. Uh, Stockton's one and one. Glen Rose, Glen Rose, this real surprise team at two and zero oh, uh, after their win over Springtown and they handled Gatesville last week. So, uh, Glen Rose uh, looking good at two and zero. Oh. So that's my Thursday game. Friday, uh, I'm gonna go to Ballinger, and, and Ballinger is a massive, massive favorite over Colorado City. Let's just go ahead and start there. But um, this is a chance for me to see Ballinger in person. This is a team that I think. Um, that I think uh, has a chance to really be, really be a sleeper in 3A Division Two, And um, I want to see Ballinger in person. This is kind of similar to last year when I went and watched Pilot Point in a game that we kind of knew they were going to blow them out, but I wanted to see what Pilot Point had in person. Kind of very similar here for Ballinger. Uh, I want to see what Coach Chuck Lipsy's team looks like in person because I think, I think highly of them. Yeah, let me and, just tell you, uh, the, the computer has uh, Ballinger by 53. Yeah, should, probably will be a blowout, but... Although they're, you know, their offense has had a little trouble getting in gear. They've been battling some injuries. They've, they've, I, I know they've had, I think, three or four guys that are out that have been out um, for Ballinger. So um, the defense has been elite, though, been really, really good defensively. Um, and then Saturday, uh, I'm going to go go to Madisonville uh, and check out the two A Division two number one team, the Mark Panthers, as they take they take on another three A opponent in uh, Anawak in a neutral site game at Madisonville, and that's something where where Mark, you know, uh, they're playing up and, and, and their depth isn't wh- where the three A schools have for sure, but the, their frontline talent is so good. So I'm really excited uh, to see Kevin Hoffman's team in person in, in a neutral site matchup. Uh, Saturday after they're playing Saturday afternoon at two o'clock. So I'm hoping that cold front comes through and cools it off just a little bit. Cause if not, it might be really hot on a Saturday in Madisonville. Yeah, that might be, that might be good. I can tell you, let me pull up the, I got an email this morning from Fox. I can tell you where our Fox reporter is going to be. Sarah Merrifield will be at La Vega and Cal Allen. That's why I texted you yesterday. Cause she was asking, uh, what stadium it could be at? Which that would that would suck if uh, she got down there to San Marcos with the Bobcat Stadium. She's like, "Where is everybody?" Yeah, where where's the game at? Uh, that that uh, I can tell you it's at uh, Rattler Stadium. Uh, Lauren uh, Lauren Blackwell is going to be at Rankin and Borden County, a little six man action. Again, that game lost a little bit of starch, but I think it's still a great game. Uh, Katie Angleson will be at Wimberley and Lampasas. Uh, Paige Schnorbach will be at El Campo and Port Lavaca Calhoun. Okay. Uh, Ashley Pickle gets to go to Albany. For Hamlin and Albany. Ooh, I gotta tell Pickle to go eat pregame at uh, Mary's Cafe in Strong. Yeah, she does. If she doesn't do I that, I gotta tell Katie. To, you, you gotta tell Ingleson to go to Storms and Lampasas. Uh, yeah, I'll tell her that. Uh, Whitley Pleasant will be going to Sunnyvale and Kennedale, which is a, an interesting matchup. Season opener for Kennedale. Intrigued. Um, and then finally, Austin Ivan will be at Pottsboro and Melissa, which is a game we didn't even mention. Uh, but is certainly worthy of being talked about. That's a, that's a really Pottsboro coming off that big win. Um, there is a, a, I don't know what Braden Plyler's situation is going to be. I understand that he might have gotten two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Oh, if, if that's the case, then he would be out for the first week of the first half of this game. And Melissa is Melissa's good man. They're off to a good start. Back-to-back wins uh, over um, – they, they beat Salina to open, and then uh, – who did they beat last week? Sunnyvale. They beat Sunnyvale last week. Yeah, they're – Melissa's solid, man. I think that's interesting. So that's where the Fox people are going to be. I'm going to be uh, – I've changed the Fox Sports Southwest task. So uh, multi-screen it. Uh, be on Fox Sports Southwest and then watch games. Uh, we'll have the, the viewers guide up. Uh, yeah, I think that's about – 
it. I have nothing else. We've been recording now for like an hour and 10 minutes, so we should probably stop. Um, okay, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very, very much. And, Steph, thanks for your courage. Thank you. Next time on Tepin' Steph.